Hey everybody, my name is Pat Cohan with AD Insider, and for this Thursday 30, we take you to Lakewood High School in Denver, Colorado, to interview one of the 2022 NFHS Citation Award winners, Michael Hughes. Here's a little preview of what's inside. What does a day look like? <laughs> kind of insanity. What's your system for making a system out of this chaos? I, I always try and put value, I call it that, my MITs. What are my most important things? I give you $50,000 right now for your athletic department. How do you use that to increase participation in this school? Wow, that's a great question. Model the way, model the way, model the way. Have you ever been to the breaking point of like, I don't think I'm gonna keep doing this. I've never seen a candle lose its light by, by helping light another. Before we dive into this Thursday 30, we do want to thank our partner in this episode, and that's Huddle. With Huddle's athletic department package, coaches get the film they need with best-in-class indoor, outdoor, and flex hands-free cameras, athletes can show their skills with highlight creation tools, and fans can engage with your school wherever they are on the new Huddle Livestream platform. If you haven't already done so, go to huddle.com slash adinsider to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this. 80 Insider, Thursday 30. Why did you become an AD? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I was at a little school in, in Western Colorado where it was less than 100 kids. So the athletic director position there was just a stipended role. It was almost like a coaching position. They just paid it as a stipend. So it was like extra work, it was like an extra duty. And I've heard Daryl kind of jokingly say that you were the person that didn't get out of the way when they threw the keys at you. So you became an AD. Um, that's what kind of kind of happened. They were like, I think this would be great for you. And I was like, all right. When I first started, the first month, I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. Nothing. I mean, I didn't have any mentor. I didn't have any tutelage. I didn't have any type of um, person to reach out to in our league. That was just, I was just new, raw, novice. And... Um, Jumping into the pool at the deep end, it was it was crazy. When you meet somebody on the street and you you tell them about Lakewood, they've never heard of it before. What's your fifteen seconds on Lakewood? So Lakewood's a school of just under two thousand kids. So this year's our first year, actually under nineteen hundred. My pitch, my little elevator pitch to them, would be that in the metro area of Denver and of the state of Colorado, I I kind of want to be the Stanford of high schools. That's my I want that well rounded academic first focus that when you come to Lakewood High School, you are going to be set up for a life after you graduate, that you're going to have this incredible experience here that rounds you into this dynamic human being that is ready for life's challenges. What does a day look like for you just a Tuesday in this office? <laughs> kind of insanity. Actually, there's just it's it's never the same. I said the beauty of this role is that it's never it's it's never the same, but it's always the same. If if that makes any sense. Um I mean, let like me an hit asylum that. of some let, sort. Let, let, me hit, let me hit that from a few different ways. Um number one, the, the hours that we put in are what kind of create a you know, we have to be here by seven thirty. Whatever. It's like a, it's like the you're you're here when the the time says you have to be here. And my I have like two separate jobs. So I have an assistant principal job that goes seven thirty to three thirty. Then I have my athletic director job that goes three thirty until whenever we're done with athletics that night. How do you set it up though? Because I think when you look at it across all of that, you're like, well, where's the system? 
where's the organization? And as I walked in here earlier, you said you're a little OCD. So with all this chaos, how do you find, and I'm saying like, take me into on a Sunday or whenever you plan, what do you do? What's your system for making a system out of this chaos? Yeah. So, so systems are pretty critical. I mean, as you, you talked about, you know, we referenced, we're both parents of young kids. So on top of that, I'm, I mean, my days start and end hopefully kind of the same way. They always start. What do you do? What's your system for making a system out of this chaos? That night, but um, the system really for me comes down to just, I, I always try and put in value. I call it that my MITs. What are my most important things? So my priorities always have to rest there. And I have four things that I look at just on a personal basis that I look at that they, they have to be my first priority. Number one, I prioritize my, my health and well-being, whether that's, the, and that is in fitness, um, enough time to read, do some things that are, are for, for me, uh, my family. So continuing to focus on family first and making sure that that, that area is there. But as my wife says, you know, it's like kind of being on the oxygen, the oxygen mask on the airplane. You got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of everybody else. So we try and make sure that there's a little bit of that time built into my day so that I can take care of myself so I can take care of many others. So after you take care of yourself and then your family and your MITs, what else is there? So then it's, it's filled priorities. So as I look at it, I mean, my days are filled up. I mean, if I, if I wanted to spend, honestly, I could probably spend three consecutive days doing nothing but email and just like trying to get that inbox back down to zero would be a, a task all in its own right. So you got to look at it and just say, what, what, is, what am I, what, what are my biggest tasks to accomplish today. So like I said, if I don't look forward enough, like regional wrestling for us is the 10th and 11th of February. If I don't look forward enough and I'm just leading by crisis, by daily fire, then I'm not going to plan what I need to have in place for that day when it comes. I mean, I, that, that's groundwork you've got to lay before that ever comes about. And if you don't do those things, all of a sudden until it's, it comes too late. And then all of a sudden, if something comes up, you don't have a chance to, to deal with them. It's kind of the Eisenhower matrix, right? You're just like, what's the urgent? What's the important? And what we want to deal with is what they always call is quadrant two. You want to be in important, but not urgent. So I want to be focused on that quadrant as much of my time as possible, but they're still urgent important too. I mean, and the urgent important in quadrant one comes up all the time. As long as I'm not spending my time in quadrant four, you know, the not urgent, not important, uh, that's, that would be pretty critical for me. What is this? Tell me about that. Like this looks like a quarterly type of calendar and they're magnets. Like talk, walk me through this a little bit. Yeah. So this is, this is my kind of view at a glance. So this is our, so this is what's left of our winter schedule. So what's up there through, you can see through the 18th of, of February. That's kind of what our, our schedule looks like as far as our athletic calendar up until that point. So um, for the most part, every day is structured out. Every day has a, has a look at a glance, when I pop up there, I'm like, what is, quickly at a glance, what is on our schedule for that day? Um, I mean, we live in Colorado, right? So there was, as you see on January 18th, there were games there. But on the 18th of January, we had a snow day. So like all of a sudden, those games then moved and, and wiped out. And now that they get moved somewhere else. So um, there's always something. Like there's like almost every day of the month between Monday through Saturday, we've got something going on and of an athletic in nature. And it's just an easy way for me at a glance to kind of know what's happening with what sport, how do they, how they line up. And it's just a good way for me to stay structurally kind of a little bit organized. 
So you say your professional development is intense. Like walk me through how you here at Lakewood uh, help your coaches in the professional development area. So I have boiled down our professional development to two different sessions during the day for our teachers who are teachers in buildings so that works during their lunch period. So that gives me 35 minutes with them and I try and do it once a month. So the 35 minutes that I meet with them then goes through a series. So it goes through a, I always have some type of a PD thought to where we, we are trying to grow on one professional area. I try and do a scenario or two with them where they talk through a scenario that could come up on some various topic, um, challenging personality, NCAA thing, recruited athlete, something of that nature, and then talk about it amongst themselves. How would they handle it so that they can kind of work through and, and take their peers' advice? Um, and then we go through like nuts and bolts. What are out there? What are things that they need to know? Big meetings, things of that nature. So just some some things that they just need to have for know-hows. But I also send a, a weekly email to them called my Friday Five. And I actually took it from Steve Throne. Uh, so we do a Friday Five. He takes it and he, he just has five things to kind of celebrate. I, I do it a little different. I do a I do a kind of a general outline, a shout out to an employee, um, a PD thought of the week, and then five things to celebrate, five things to remember. So I do that every Friday. So I try and send that to our staff and let them, and the PD thought then just changes. And, it more, and so I'm always kind of trying to be in front of them. And why Friday? I, cause I just like the Friday five, I think I just think, and it's the end of the week. So it's like, it gives you a week of things to have celebrated to, mm-hmm. so it gives you some kind of a, of a wrap up and we go back, you know, you go back to the last Friday, if it was a, a football game or something big that happened to your volleyball team or, or basketball team, like the week before. So you can go back to, and still reach into those things, but just, it just works out well for one, people like to celebrate on Fridays naturally. So it's a good way to send out kind of a little celebratory thing on Fridays too, about like, Hey, I want to thank you for what you're doing. And just a PD thought. You have a lot of books behind you. What one or two books would you say every athletic director on that shelf needs to read? Wow. Uh, I would probably go The Speed of Trust by Stephen, the younger Covey, Stephen Covey's son. So I think it's MR. I think Stephen MR. So it's called The Speed of Trust. Um, incredible book. Why? Because it talks about trust in a way that made me really realize that there's a difference between how you are communicating with people and how you are connecting with people. I think that part of trust that without that component and them deeply believing in my competence, my character, and them knowing that what they get is the real genuine article without that, the rest of it doesn't matter. If you don't have those two core elements in their mind and their perception, you're just an, you can give them insights or you can give them something that they can build off of, but it's, it's not, it's just not going to ring as true to them. And it doesn't draw followership. You know, ideally what we're, what we're about is influence. We're about trying to influence people for their growth and development. So if we're not influencing them in a positive direction that we want to take the vision of our program toward, we can have all the greatest thoughts or ideas in the world. They're, they're just never going to take root. So without, and I think that the, the core fundamental element of that is trust. And I think that that comes down in everything, trust in yourself, trust in the way you look at the problem and you, you see it from a lens that can it, can it be 
done and done well, well, you've got to trust the person in charge of that to get it done. I trust our coaching staff. Why? Because they've proven to me through our relationship in the past that they can get the job done and that they're here for kids, for the right reasons for kids. What is the Lakewood Superfan 7? Okay. You're into these numbers, and I just, what, in setting up today, I saw that behind me. Uh, what is that, and how do you use that with your uh, athletic department? We, we want, obviously, want to, we're like everybody. We want to model great sporting behavior. We want our, our kids to show up for games in the right frame of mind. But what the understanding of what does that look like? Not, not just, it's kind of like leadership, right? You can't just talk leadership. You got to show it. You got to explain it. You got to understand it in a deeper way so that you can build on it. Same thing with being a, a, a fan. I mean, we talked a little bit before when you were here about like, when you go to Duke, what does it mean? Like when you go into Cameron Indoor, that's a whole different feeling. I don't want our kids acting like that though. I don't want our kids like standing out there with their fingers, like doing this at, a, at, a, at an opponent. I don't want that. I want our kids to understand that we can have a great environment here while we are just supporting and cheering for our team. We don't have to try and downgrade our opponent to do that. We don't have to downgrade officials. We don't have to challenge them. Kids are going to be kids. They're going to have some fun at somebody's expense, or they're going to do, they're going, they're going to say and do some things that probably don't make you super proud all the time. But as long as we have kind of a framework to build off of, and again, it's like having a system, you have seven things in place to build off of, then at least you can look at someone and say, hey, we're, we're not going to act like that. This, and they know, you know, like again, putting it out in front of them, making sure that it's always in their purview so they understand it. This is who we're supposed to be. This is Lakewood High School. This is what we're about. I'm not going to compare myself to another. I'm going to just experience my journey the way it needs to be done, the way we want it done here. And that way is okay. I give you $50,000 right now for your athletic department. How do you use that to increase participation in this school, you know, in the next one to two years? <sighs> uh, the first thing I'd probably do is hire some type of an outside consultant, honestly, to come in and help us with our social media presence to try and bolster our public persona. Um, we do, I think we do some amazing things here some incredible things. I just don't know if I capture them all. I'm just not that era. I'm just not, that's just doesn't come to my the front of my mind to say, I need to take a picture of that, or I need to capture that on video. So I don't, and outsourcing that to someone else or bringing in someone who can help me develop that strategy, I think would be probably the best resource for us. And part of it, part of that resource and then I would probably take it back to our coaches and say, guys, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What would you need to take your program? One of the questions I ask, actually, one of the questions on the my evaluation tool with them that I ask at the end of it is, what can I do as the athletic director to, to help you build the most success in your athletic program and your program in, in particular? And they'll, they're really straightforward. You can supply us this, this, or this, or you can bring this, this, and this to us. What's resounding from that? Like, is there any similarities? Like, hey, everybody needs this. Everybody's asking for this. We really need to be able to raise funds for this big thing. So, like, we're—I was actually just talking to our principal about this just this morning about what is our what is our, what is our greatest area of need as an athletic facility, and it's our weight room. So, our weight room needs to be modernized and upgraded, and that's going to take a significant amount of revenue to put into that. To, to make that happen. And, and how do we do that? How do we sit down and say, what does that space look like? 
how do we make it the most functional it needs to be so that we can compete with the Cherry Creeks and the Grand Views and the Columbines and the Ralston Valleys of our classification because that's they, they have those facilities now. And if, if you don't keep up, then people are going to choose. In an open enrollment state, they're going to go where the facilities are new and flashy and shiny. And on top of that, those schools are successful, right? They're winning. So you have this, we want well-rounded. We want a well-rounded kid here. But they're looking at it too, saying, this is important to us. The athletic component is super important. I want my kid to have a great experience. I want them to win. I want them to compete for league, regional, and state championships. And if it's between choosing school A and school B because of facility, then you better have you better be school A because you better be the one that has those things that draw kids to you. And like I said, appeal is a funny thing. You, you, you gotta, it's gonna take more than just a coat of paint to make you know a facility really up to the standards that it needs to be right now. I mean, there's some unbelievable things going on in, in the world of fitness and, and strength and conditioning that are out there that, I mean, you, you better be on top of your game when you know what you have for space, number one, but two, to build it out that it's fully functional for your 22 sports that you have at your school to make it a fully functional facility, how you go about doing that, you got to be really intentional and plan and, and be thoughtful. So you know, how does it matter when we're playing the Cherry Creeks of the world or when you're open enrollment, kind of tying this all back together? I take your $50,000, try and market already what we do do well, ask our coaches what are areas that I can help them build out and then take the additional revenues that I have and say, are, what common space is the most impactful for all of our student athletes and probably put it towards that, which would be our weight room. What are you trying to reimagine that's currently part of a struggle for your athletic department? I think I'm trying to make, I think I'm trying to help our coaches understand that success just isn't winning. Everybody says that though. Yeah, they do. I, and I, but I, but I think that at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, they don't really mean it. Right. I think that there's a part of this where they, I, I I've told you before, I am a hyper competitive human being. I mean, I am, <laughs> I am super competitive. I want to be the most successful we can possibly be in anything. And I say this and I say it before every parent meeting, people are probably sick of hearing this too, but I, I really believe it. I said, winning is a winning is a great goal. It's a terrible purpose. It's just not who we are. It's not, we want to be the best version of us. If we're doing that, then I can live with the result. What I struggle with is when we're not the best version of ourselves. That's when, and that's win or lose. That's, I mean, that happens more, honestly, probably happens more in wins than it does when we're not successful on the scoreboard. Mm. I've seen a lot of times where we weren't the best version of ourselves when we won a game. And I'm like, man, we got a lot of work to do. I would, and then there's other times where we've have come up short on the scoreboard, but I felt like we've played to our level at a way higher level and a way higher standard. And from that point, I'm like, all right, that's something to build off of in a positive way so that we can become, the, again, another step forward to being the best version of us. How do you define that with 22 different sports? So that, that's, a, that's, that's a really great question. So do we have a metric that I can look at it and say, how do I know we're stepping forward? How do I know that we're moving forward? And this is a question I ask our coaches about all, a lot. Are we about growth or are we about achievement? Because there's, that's two completely different things. I said growth 
can they go hand in hand? Yeah, they can. They can they can marry and tie, and you can eventually get to that part. But when you are, if you are down here in the strata and you want to get up to here, you need growth because achievement's only happening really from here up, right? Where people are going to visibly see achievement being, are they winning league titles? Are they winning regional championships? Are they winning state titles? Are they in the, you know, elite eight, whatever? Are they in that upper tier? That's the type of high level achievement we'd like to get to. But if our success is only tied to that, then we're, we're going to be viewed as a failure because we're not getting to that level in a lot of our sports right now. And I, I refuse to believe that that, that that is the only criteria that we can rank ourselves on to show that our kids are achieving and growing at the same time. And I, like, I, I want them to be at their very best as coaches. I mean, they need to see it like saying, yeah, we lost tonight, but, or, and, you know, and these are some factors that played into it, but we played so well in these factors too, that down the road, these are building blocks that are going to help us continue to strive, grow, and get better. And it, I don't know, I'm a, you look around here, you see enough Ted Lasso stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I mean, I follow that belief system of that putting in the work and building relationships with people is really at the center of this. And it has to be bigger than the result of a game. It can it add to that experience? Yep, it can. But the whole part of this that really is about life is about that building a relationship between a coach and an athlete and a, an assistant coach and a head coach and, and just a, an athletic director and a coaching staff that lends itself to, to modeling that living a great life and being really the best version of yourself doesn't really, it's not tied to did we win that game? It's how did we part, how did we compete? Did I give it my best? I mean, I could try my best to beat Michael Jordan in a game one-on-one. -on -one. Physically, that's just not going to happen, but I can compete to the best of my level. I, I'm not just going to let him just, you know, do what he wants. So that part of like, you measure yourself against the best, you got to do what the best do, as they say, but you better find out that there's other metrics too that you can, you can measure yourself by that go from game to game or they go from opponent to opponent. We play somebody twice in basketball. How do we play against them the first time to the second time? Do we grow? Do we get better? Do we shorten the gap? If, if there was one, did we win by more the second time? If not, why? You know, what did we do better the second time than the first? There's just ways to measure yourself. And I don't want them to get tied up in, you know, are we 19 and three going into our last game of the year? Or are we three and 19 going into our last game of the year? How do you view that season? Did you view it as an epic failure? Did you view it as an epic success? When I can point to a lot of years where people were 19 and three or four and had a miserable year and years where they were four and 19 at the end and they had a, an incredible journey with their kids that they'll look back on with much more reverence and, and, and life impact than they did on that 19 and 14. And if somebody else from the outside looks at it, they're like, no, no, that's not true. And I'm like, that's why you have to be here to see it. That's why you have to be a part of it and understand your values and build off of those values to really get the genuine nature of what we're doing here. Would you say being an AD is a grind? Yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of hard work. Have you ever been to the breaking point of like, I don't think I'm going to keep doing this. So I don't think I've ever been to the part where I'm like, is this worth it? You know, like that part of it, you'll have those questions every once in a while, like, man, why am I doing this? 
because I think that's natural when you get fatigued. I think those things come in more when you're really tired or worn out. Those questions start physically. to arise. Yeah. And mentally, you physically and mentally you're worn out. And usually that they come in times like before a break. So like you get into December and there's this, it's just been a long grind, right? So you get to December and something happens. And let's just say we have, we have our big wrestling invitational right before Christmas break. So right before the holiday break here, we have our big, and there's times, man, it's just the, the setup, the timing of it, the, the preparation for it, and the length of those couple of days back to back is just, it's so long. And I think at the end of it, sometimes when it doesn't go off perfect or when people just aren't super appreciative of all the time and effort you've put into it, you can reflect and be like, man, what am I doing? You know, I could be home with my family during that time. And that's easy when you're, br- when you're beat down and you're fatigued. I never want to make a decision when I'm in those states, number one, because generally a couple of days later, you're just like, yeah, it's just water on the bridge. It is what it is. You just move on. Um, and I think some of that just comes with the wisdom of age. You just kind of learn to like, you just let some of those things roll off you. You just don't take them personal anymore. Do you have a system though, to like recharge yourself so that, yeah, your recovery from that is a lot quicker? Yeah. Well, yeah, I have two things, but number one, I'm, I told you I'm an avid reader, so I can, I can immerse myself into a book and I, I can find ways of being self-reflective through reading in different ways that will help me become either more resilient or make me realize that hey, this is just human nature. I probably wasn't quite good enough. But then my other thing is, is this is, sounds kind of foolish, but I have a, I have a good stuff folder and I, I just have this folder of things that I've accumulated through my past that people have given me uh, notes, cards, letters, um, just pictures, things of that nature, wedding announcements, uh, just different things that they've given me through their time that um, if I'm having a pretty rotten day or like a, a series of days in a row, I can go to that folder. I can pick out something from my past and I can read it and it can immediately change my outlook and be like, this is why you do this. Don't let, I mean, those things are just, they're part of the grind. Let it be what it is, but this is why you do what you do. And, and it just changes your perspective and it puts you back in a place where you should be like focusing on what can I do? Not what did somebody think I couldn't do or what, what am I, what am I worn out from? Like this impacted this person's life so much for good. So I, I mean, I have that folder. I, I don't go to it often cause I don't have too many of those days, but when I do, and it's nice to have those letters from former student athletes or from former coaches or, you know, even some current people that we have on staff that are the impact you made in their life. And it makes you realize pretty quickly that you're doing the right things, right? You write letters too. I do. I did an interview with you a long time ago and you wrote me a letter and you didn't know me from Adam and I still have it on my desk. Like it is Lakewood still there. So is that a system of things? Like, Hey, every time I do something of this sort, I'm writing, or every time we play somebody, what's your system? No, no. I used to, so I used to try and write at least three a week. So I would like sit down and I would write at least three thank you notes a week to different people that, that have impacted me somehow during that week Mm -hmm. of time. Um, some weeks it's more, sometimes it's just one. Sometimes it's a random, like I, I will sit down in the morning first thing. And just be like, hey, I just, I just saw Jeff Tortell, our, our facility manager, outside moving snow. Hey, Jeff, just wanted to say thank you for you know just that type of thing. So it's just sometimes it's really spontaneous. Sometimes it's it's planned. Sometimes it's like I know I need to reach out to um, our area facility director or our aquatics director and say, 
thank you for hosting this or thank you for putting that together for us. I mean, that's the kind of the culture we want to be. We want to show people our appreciation for what they bring to us. Number one, I think, I think that's the right way to live and, and show gratitude. But two, it, again, it's modeling that that's the right way, right? That is, I want people to know I value them. I want people to know that I, I, I'm thankful for who they are and what they, what they bring to me. And I, I've never seen, like I said, I've never seen, uh, what's that saying? I've never seen a candle lose its light by, by helping light another. You know, the flame, the flame just continues to burn. So let's light another candle and another candle. So I, I kind of tend to think that that's true. And I want to make sure that people know how much I respect and thank them for what they bring to my life. Well, I hope that people watching this will kind of have their flame maybe reignited by getting to see what you do and the passion that you put behind it. So thanks for taking the time with us. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening. We're here to provide access to experts and educators in the field of athletic administration, but this is your podcast too. So please let us know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out to us on social media or on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com.